0: Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special Audio Highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, wcl.org. My next guest on West Coast Live wrote the libretto for the jazz opera Good Friday, 1663, screened on Channel 4 Television in Britain, and the lyrics for Kate and Mike Westbrook's jazz suite Bar Utopia. She studied restoration farce, wrote a thesis on it, Worked as a staff writer for Vogue magazine for Mm -hmm. five years and then has uh, written any number of uh, acclaimed books including Four Bare Legs in a Bed and Other Stories, Unguarded Hours, Dear George, Yeah, Right, Get a Life, (laughs) and the current book In the Driver's Seat, which is actually the American version of Constitutional. So it's interesting. They took a book about walking and made it into a book about driving (laughs) (laughs) to, to sell in America when you think about it. But she does make good use of the car as a space in which stories occur by the way, as a, as a good space. And there are a number of words that she sometimes uses, like uh, phrases like wealthy frondescence, marble fitter mice, <laughs> and uh, other such uh, phrases, or one in which somebody turns and reveals themselves like a mackerel in shiny, a shiny flash of silver, and, and uh, other great phrases. She's a, a marvelous writer. This is a new collection of stories called In the Driver's Seat, published by Knopf. Please welcome, from London, Helen Simpson, to West Coast Live. Thank you very much for being uh, here on, on West Coast Live.
1: Oh, it's great to be here.
0: In the interest of what we have to do, uh, uh, I've had dinner at your house and you've had dinner at mine. So, there we are. We know one another.
1: We both cook well.
0: <laughs> well, actually, I probably, I think actually in both cases, I've eaten well. I didn't do so much as the cooking last night.
1: Uh-huh. Well, Sylvia cooked very well. <laughs> uh,
0: this book is, is filled with, with wonderful stories, all dealing with um, relationships, uh, the internal life of a, of, of a woman, whether she's, you know, swimming and sees a child with, uh, with uh, all the people around her who are getting cancer, uh, dealing with divorce, and yet the stories are very funny. I, it's it's uh, it's remarkable uh where you, the stories that you write come uh do they come to you in a burst is there a flash an episode that that triggers something for you to then explore
1: oh i wish i wish they did I, I'm really slow um, i mean it's more like i was trying to think people say how oh. More, it's more like waiting for a coral reef to build, you know, just a <laughs> tiny bit at a time.
0: <laughs> just a little sentence, a word, a phrase builds
1: up? It, I mean, this took five years to write, so you can imagine. Five years? Yeah, it's very thin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what else were you doing during that time?
1: Well, life. Yeah. Mm. Mm. It takes a lot of time up, I find, yeah. Is, is, the, uh, is it a, a painful process? What, writing? No. Yes. I've, I, re- I, I really love it, but um, I'm, uh, the space between getting an idea and actually starting to write, that seems to take me a long time. I think, I think very slowly. I carry a little notebook with me every, all, the, all the time, and um, I get about three thoughts a day. Well, that's more than many people. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I write them down, and mostly they're not worth, you know, thinking. So I have to discard them. But once, that once in a while, one goes towards the coral reef, and
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, then it builds up and becomes a beautiful beach. So in some way, you're filled with life. Uh, you have a bit of a of a story to read, Tass. To
1: well, I've I've got one. The, this title <laughs> story in the driver's seat. Um, it was another radio station in England. They wanted the shortest possible story. They wanted something that read under five minutes. I
0: understand. You understand. <laughs>
1: And um, uh, for that, it's interesting with a story, because I know my handwriting comes out at 250 words a sheet of A4. So I laid out four sheets of paper, and I tried to think of something. you know, A story, something's got to happen, but not too much. That's the only rule I can come up with. And um, this was in a car. And actually, uh, cars are really good spaces for that sort of short story, when you think, um, because you can't get out. <laughs> um, and you have these com- when you think of the conversations you have in cars they're quite often highly dramatic think of husbands and wives talking about navigation <laughs> maps <laughs> um i've also remember hearing- you think that's a contentious area well <laughs> it can be why don't we stop and ask someone imagine asking that question you know between a husband and wife and um uh, that can really spark a story off. Or, uh, apparently, sex education with children. If they, won't, if they won't stay in the room with you at home, you have to wait till you're in the car. <laughs> and they can't get out, and you don't have to look at each other either. <laughs> so that's, a, that's a good tip. <laughs> you,
0: why don't you want to have too much happen in the space of those pages of the story?
1: Uh, because it just disperses it. The whole point of a short story is... Um, all the thinking that goes... Ar- you know you know how it is in real life. Not a lot happens, actually. We're sitting around most of the time. Yeah. And we're digesting uh, the times when something is happening. And when you're reading, you want things happening, but in real life, it's quite unpleasant, usually. You, you prefer the days when not too much does. You're having your usual routine. Yeah. So, Do you find that, Mike? Absolutely, yeah. Mm, the things that are good to read about, sort of oh, I don't know, high drama and earthquakes and divorce, and they're horrible to go through. That's the way it works.
0: (laughs) Well, let's hear the story, then. This this is called In the Driver's Seat. And and this was originally written as a radio piece.
1: Sorry, glasses. Uh, Age 87, right. I promise it will be short. Um, Right, I was crouched in the back of Deborah's car. Her bluff new boyfriend was driving it rather brutally down the A4 in the dark through the rain.
0: Can I interrupt you? Sorry, just interrupt you. Is there any language? I can't remember if there's any language in this one that's...
1: Um, any swear words? Yeah. Uh, I'll bleep if I get to Okay, thanks, thanks. Okay, you can start at the top. I can't remember one. Um, w- shall I read again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was crouched in the back of Deborah's car. Her bluff new boyfriend was driving it rather brutally down the A4 in the dark through the rain. We were on our way to Maidenhead, where the party was. He knew the road well, so he was driving with a sort of braggartly contempt. (laughs) I had no idea your car could get up this sort of speed, Deborah, I said. It's not a new car, said Deborah with a nervous laugh. She can tell that, scoffed Andy, it's shaking so much it feels like it'll fall to bits. Perhaps it's not used to, said Deborah, and I saw her hand grip the dashboard, which goaded Andy into putting his foot down even further. He belted us along with breezy boyishness, although he's now 36. He looks like what he is, a former rugby player. Injuries stopped him a couple of years ago, and he's concerned about running to fat. You should try rowing now, you're living in Isleworth, I'd said over dinner. You really should. You're the right build. You'd love it. I noticed how he bristled, how a solemn flash of resentment flew at me from his fourth field. And he doesn't like being told what he'd like, laughed Deborah watchfully across the table. Back on the A4, Andy was intent on forcing the car, a decent elderly polo, up into the 90s if he possibly could. Deborah was at the limit of her tact and patience. "'I'm not sure my poor old car will be able to take this,' she murmured. "'You never know till you try,' carolled Andy above the roaring of the engine. "'Actually, I'm feeling a bit sick,' she said, uncertain, but it made no difference. He obviously couldn't bear to be in the passenger seat unless it was absolutely necessary.' that is, unless he'd had what he would call a skimful. The way a man drives gives a surprisingly accurate idea of what he's like in other areas. (laughs) Does he crash his way through the gears? Does he speed or stall? Does he get nasty at the lights? (laughs) I gazed at the back of Andy's head. You certainly wouldn't want him sitting on your tail, I thought, with a coarse mental chuckle. (laughs) (laughs) I I was trying to disregard the awareness that I was bumping along on a mad, dangerous, out-of-control toboggan ride. It seemed a good time to describe my next-door neighbour's teenage daughter's horror when I'd told her how the new speed cameras work. Her eyes had stretched in shock. She'd obviously been speeding all over London in her father's Ford Mondeo, I said. They photographed the face at the wheel as well as the car's number plates, I'd told her. Deborah skipped the laugh in the story and went straight for the element that worried her. The thing is, Andy, she said, would be brave, trying to sound mock truculent. This is my car, and if it's photographed by the speed cameras, I'll be the one who's held responsible. Ho, 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 said Andy, spitefully, I thought. (laughs) I'm not joking anymore, Andy, she said, still timid, in the shade of his massive, macho aura. I could lose my license. Oh, dear me, crowed Andy, and the car bowled creakingly along at 90. Was he wanting her to beg him? But then I find it very difficult to keep my job, she protested. It's not funny. No, it's not funny, he mocked, not slackening the pace at all. She is five years older than him, gets back from work in time to help her two children with their homework, reviews the rate she pays on her mortgage every half year. She's beautiful in the sepulchral Victorian manner, her expression veering between anxiety and seriousness, whereas he plays the fool, the tease, the cosseted grasshopper to her creditworthy aunt. "'Yes, he's living in my house now, but he doesn't contribute to the bills or food,' she confided in me over coffee. "'Whenever we go out together, I have to drive us home because he likes to drink. "'He never buys a present when we visit my friends or family. That's always up to me.' "'Tell him how you feel,' I said. "'Presumably she didn't want me to come over breathless with indignation on her behalf. "'She didn't need me to state the bleeping obvious. She could see that for herself.'" Well, I do. I have to say what I think, she continued. But it makes me feel I'm mercenary, these uncomfortable feelings. Because he's lovely, really, and I like being with someone. I've been on my own for a while now, and everything's fine. My job's secure, the children are fine. But I want to be married again, that's the trouble. I like the married state. And Andy wants to belong. He wants to get married. He's, he said to me, what if anything were to happen to you? I wouldn't feel secure unless I knew I could stay on in the house. LAUGHTER And of course, there's always the fear that he might leave me. He would feel happier if I transferred the house title into joint names. Mm. Men like to be trusted, don't they? Mm. I imagine we all do, I'd said, like to be trusted. I'll be 41 next year. Andy's saying he wants my child. She laughed, hands swiping her brow, and looked down at the table in confusion. That had been some weeks ago. The rain was very heavy now. The windscreen wipers were going at a double lick, Why on earth had I agreed to a lift to this party? I thought of my own car, my little green Fiat, with longing. I love my car. It makes me feel light and free. It means nobody can bully me about not drinking, and I can leave whenever I want to. All those sulky end-of-party dramas of coercion and constraint, the driver wanting to go and the drinker wanting to stay, I don't have to do them, although I would tonight. Why had I said yes? I looked at the two antagonistic heads in front of me, sorry, his and hers, parental, and I felt like a child crouching in the back on my own, their child. Andy, I really am feeling a bit sick, said Deborah faintly. I do wish you'd slow down. That brought back Deborah's troubled laughter over coffee that time, her hands swiping her brow in confusion as she told me what he wanted. And I thought, I wonder.
0: Helen Simpson, reading from the story In the Driver's Seat, the title story of this collection. This is Edge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.